Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Teacher Takeaway Podcast. You are here for episode four, and this week I am joined with my wonderful team. As always, we've got James Gray. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us again. Beck West. Welcome back to another episode, everyone. And Alice Wiggers. Nice to have you joining us again. And via the process of elimination, that makes me Aaron. And uh, <laughs> you are here for our episode to uh, this week is called Walls That Teach. So our inquiry question, which we'll be talking about this um, episode, is how do we leverage the walls around us to enhance the learning cycle? So our interesting topic, I'm sure we've got lots of things to share, but let's start off, just open it up. What are walls that teach? For anyone listening going, what on earth are these crazy people talking about? <laughs> what are walls that teach? Well, they're functional. <laughs> they're meaningful. They support the learning journey. Yep. Any other thoughts? Anyone want to chime in with anything else? That's pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty brief, good summary, straight to the point. I think that they're, they're quite targeted in how they're supporting that learning. It's not that random I'm going to throw up the alphabet for the sake of having mm. something up there that the kids will use. It's actually strategic in terms of what am I actually yeah. focusing on in the classroom and how will this be a resource to support my kids' learning? Yeah. And I think yeah. it's in, important that they are co-constructed and the students have a say in what though what goes up on the walls and that they are, um, you know, that evidence of learning process it's mm. not just the pretty end product um, that we're putting up on the wall you know the artwork that all looks the same it's that process from here's what it looked like at the beginning here's how we've worked through and yep. now here's our final um, product of learning at the end and you can see that journey over evolve over time yeah mm. yeah definitely and really it's good. mean and it's meaningful to what's happening within that class and it's something that you find like thinking back to an experience for me when working with a class is we were looking at complex sentences and me having an understanding that students were forgetting about an independent clause and a dependent clause made up a complex sentence. Part of the lesson that we did on it, I was able to put together an example going independent clause, what it was a dependent clause, put it somewhere within the classroom that was visible to the students that they could be refer back to because that was a tool that was going to support the learning of my students for when they were using within their writing or within their work complex sentences, they had that there to refer back to. It was meaningful and relevant to the class. And you can yeah. tell too when you go in that classroom, if you've had nothing to do with that class lesson, like if you're an exec and you've gone in for whatever reason and the kids are doing an activity and you're like, oh, what's this one about? Even those kids who are working behind expectation are still able to articulate something about it. So like this was maths and we were counting things, you know, even if it's down to that core element of what they were doing, you know, those those uh, higher achieving kids might be able to tell you, oh, we were looking at additive strategies and using the jump on strategy or something. They'll be able to go into the detail yeah. like that. But even those other students will be able to link into it somehow and discuss it with you. And exactly what you were saying back to anybody should be able to come in and know where you're up to and know what you're learning about. A random person should be able to come in and go, I know what they're learning about. Mm. It's yeah. not, you know, it's not, oh, there's, there's great posters and things like that, but 
it's like you said, it reflects exactly where they're at. Zebras on the wall. Mm. Yeah. But it's exactly <laughs> what are they about, learning about? <laughs> this is where we're at right now in our learning. It's a snapshot in time of this is where we're up to. Yeah. And like you said, you all had your one word. My one word was going to be intentional. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to add more words. I'm going to put that it's fluid <laughs> and flexible as well. You know, it's not what you put up in term one, week four or whatever, and it stays there to week, term four, week four. Oh, it, absolutely. You know, fluid yep. and flexible. And it doesn't have to look beautiful, but yep. as long as it's meaningful, the students understand what it yep. is, where it is, and how to access it. Butcher's paper with, you know, it's marker real. on it. Yep. yep. Totally. I got a compliment. Um, I got a compliment, guys, on how good my um, drawing of a rock was on our on our chart for writing. <laughs> I'm surely it you. can't be that hard to draw. A they rock. were blown away that actually <laughs> I drew a rock and a boulder, and they were very impressed with how I portrayed the difference between the two. How did I'm it make donkey? That is a nice boulder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we digress. So let's keep moving. Um, so oh, reach the pinnacle, Aaron. <laughs> let's let's that goes talk nicely into our next segment. I think yeah, <laughs> it, it does. So let's talk. Um, this is this is a big loaded question. Ooh. Um, and let's not take it the wrong way, people. But how do we go from Pinterest perfect to practical? And we're not canning Pinterest, no, whatsoever. And we're not saying. <laughs> We're not saying your room, you can't have a room that looks nice. That's not what we're saying. You can't, yeah, and you can have a theme room still and, mm, you know, to absolutely. go with it. But I think that the main idea that it comes back to is, you know, the words that we are using earlier on of what we are talking about, what walls at teach are, um, having an understanding of a Pinterest, you know, perfect classroom, so to speak, and the difference of saying um, walls that teach is that the walls that teach idea is that you're fluid and flexible, like I was saying before, that they're updated based upon the learning that's happening. Whereas, say, your Pinterest perfect classroom, you've been to every last Kmart shop, you've mm-hmm. bought everything else online <laughs> to find that exact colour, and, hey, you're more reluctant to change it when you've set it up because you had to go to that extra <laughs> pop, yeah. you know, down the road to pick up that extra thing or, or laminate, you know, those mm. different things. So I guess the, the main thing of what I'm talking about is, that it's got to be meaningful to the learning that's taking yeah. place in the classroom. And I, th- and I think the key idea is that, you know, like you said, James, Pinterest perfect. It, it looks beautiful, but, and a, and a room where the walls are learning walls, it doesn't always look beautiful. Learning is often a messy process and not that, you know, your room looks mm. messy, but <laughs> you can see that the way that that journey has unfolded on the walls of that room based on, you know, the kinds of things that, that students are engaging with. So whether it is butcher's paper, you know, there's a whole bunch of post-it notes, there's drawings, there's, mm. you know, writing yep. samples, there's all different things which, mm. you know, don't look Pinterest perfect or beautiful up on a wall, but they are showcasing that learning. They're showing the evolution mm. of the thought processes around what it is that the students are learning, which yep. is far more meaningful and valuable than, Lots of pretty posters and, mm. you know, pretty decorations. And, up on and the, I was going to yeah. say that, Alice, too, is, again, for me, it comes back to that intention. Is my intention for it to just look pretty? Because you can still, like you said, you can still have something with a purpose and mm. you can still make it look nice. Like yeah. it's it's mm. it's finding the balance between, sharpie, yeah, between, between the two. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like it yeah. can still look There's nice. Like James said, yeah. you can still have a theme. You can 100%. still do all those things. But what's the purpose behind it? Like yeah. if it is yeah. just 
aesthetics, you're, you're missing an opportunity um, to engage. Like we, we talked about that third teacher. hundred percent. And the, the Aaron was referring to that third teacher, meaning that those walls are there to assist those students within their learning. And, and again, we're, we're not talking about not displaying up quality artwork or anything without within your room. That's still relevant to the learning experience and, you know, adding it to, to reflect upon and share upon the learning within the classroom. And I think another important point to be thinking about as well, if you're a teacher who's sitting there right now and you're traveling to work or you're listening at night or whatever, and you want to do a little self-assessment based upon your current walls in your classroom, some might be still bare because you're in the process of doing it, is ask your class, those times table posters that are above your heads, above the smart board, how often have you used them to assist within your learning? Students? Mm-hmm. Oh, Henry, up the front there, just you? Mm. Okay, let's have a think Henry about it. Henry usually doesn't need it. Yeah, and Henry doesn't need it. He's glued on. Classic yeah. Henry. Oh, no, but I ask use... your students. You've James... spoken about it before, Beck, that, you know, as a teacher going and sitting in the students' seats and going, well, what is it that I can mm. see from this level? What are the kids, what's at their eye line? What are they looking at? If it's above their eye line, chances are they're not looking at it. So what's the purpose mm. of it being up high on your wall mm. or right down low to the floor? Yeah. Thinking yeah. about where you're placing things yep. and how often the kids engage and interact with that during explicit instruction or even beyond that when they are doing that, you know, group phase or that independent phase of learning, are they using those walls to support their learning process Mm. and a great example of that was when I did a a reflection with my class Uh, this was a year two class and we were talking about reading groups and I would change my room uh, a fair amount using flexible learning using flexible furniture and this I got to the point where I was asking the kids to reflect on the space and I said where do you think we should have our targeted table jelly bean table whatever you guys call it you know the curved table where you sit with a targeted group of kids I said where do you want it because we primarily use it for reading we use it for writing and you know those maths activities and the whole class said no 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 it doesn't matter for maths because we've got all of our handout um, materials I had lots of uh, laminated hundreds charts tens frames all those kinds of things that they could pick up and move around the room but they did say they wanted to be near the word wall so that they could use that um, as a strategy to find those things because our word wall was flexible and fluid we were writing on it adding to it and they almost used it like I guess like a dictionary when they wanted to find a word they'd go find the alphabet the letter and then find the word that they were after it started with my writing up there and then the kids were the ones writing the word and putting it up on the wall when they needed it so it was a mixture of my writing their writing you could see that transition of it changed and they said we want that table to be in that spot so that we can access that word wall easily when we need it for reading or writing. So that was me just taking into account. That's what they mm. want to use it for. They don't need it for those other things. So, yeah. um, and what a powerful way to get student voice into that learning space. Yeah. Yeah. And Around it worked well. How do we it made use so these engaged. <laughs> yeah. Mm, that's right. And, um, you know, we, like you guys were saying, it's, it's thinking about everything we do in a strategic way. But if kids aren't engaging with those walls, it's sometimes a matter of giving them permission because you don't know where they've come from. Mm. Like the moment I said to my class this year in particular, I want to see you out of your seat Mm. going to those, you know, to the vocab, um, you know, wall. And I want to see, as soon as I gave them permission and I told them that's actually the expectation, 
But prior to that, they just sat in their seat and mm. because you don't know the experience that they've had before. So yeah. part of it is being explicit about how to use those walls and making sure that, like you said, Becky, are explicit about the things that are on the walls and pointing them out to them. Because I was having this conversation, if you put something up and you haven't explicitly introduced it or pointed it out, you can assume it's invisible. You may as well assume that they're not even seeing it. This is background. (laughs) That's right. So it's it's about being intentional and explicit with all of those things. But sometimes it's about giving kids permission, actually telling them this is actually what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Like Alice is saying. I want you to interact with it. Yeah. You actually and teaching them that, modeling that this is how I want you to interact with this wall. And I found one of the ways that I found quite valuable to help with that process is to actually move the lessons and where I taught from within the room, around the room. Mm -hmm. So if I was, you know, we had, say, a, a writing sample that we were working on and part of it was already up on a component of the wall, I would teach writing from that part of the room as opposed to always at the front so that they could see, okay, here's where we're evolving our writing. Here's all of the components that we're using to help us piece, you know, this this joint construction of writing together. And when it came time to do guided writing and then independent writing, they would then draw upon that space Mm. because we had used it. Can I do a shameless self-promotion, guys? Go for it, Beck. I, cause I love this. Cause you know, that's the way I did it as well. In that last class that I had when I was on class, I had a 360 degree Greek. I can't even say degree. I can't take credit. <laughs> 360 degree classroom. There was no front. There was no back. Uh, yeah. And no, I was going to say, I was going to say that as well. If, you know, getting to that place, like Alice was saying, and you were saying back where, if you said, go to the front of the room and the kid's like, what do where? you mean? What, what's it. the front? Because we wear everywhere. We learn yeah. on every wall. There exactly. is no front. And a lot of you think you can't do it because there's so much fixed materials, which is true. There was a fixed whiteboard at the front or a PC or the um, the, the student computers were fixed in one spot. But the rest you you choose how to utilise mm. as you want. So I, I do have a video of that one called 360 Degree Classroom. I'll link it in so the show notes. It. It's Thank a good you video, so people. You know, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest. That's the first video of you I ever watched. Oh, really? And I was like, who is this <laughs> random redhead? <laughs> <laughs> and I look at so us many- now. That's it. I get so many comments from people saying, your classroom is so huge. It really isn't. Mm. I just got rid of the clunky teacher desk, the big, bold furniture. I really harnessed storage space and I made sure that things like, um, you know, tote tray cupboards were used as standing desks. I just really utilised that space. But that's the thing I loved about your video, Beck, too, is you didn't have any of the new fangdangle fancy furniture. Nah, none of that stuff. But, couldn't afford it. But <laughs> you made flexible learning, flexible learning environments, flexible learning spaces out of classroom. anything and everything. Yeah. And that's when I watched that video, I was like, that's awesome. And then thinking about my situation, like how much more can I do with the actual furniture? <laughs> Exactly. If Beck can do this with a tote tray cupboard. 100%. Yeah. That's but. it. And it, it just lends to that usability of all of those walls because mm. every wall could be used in every even, corner. Even windows, people. Yes. Even windows. Go to, go to Kmart, shameless promotion here. Go to Kmart, <laughs> buy some chalk pens and get on those windows. 
Yes, absolutely. The cleaners the, won't like you, but no, but who cares? The kids will enjoy it. I was going <laughs> to say, right. and the kids love it. And just love be it. mindful where you're positioning. If it's a poster, chalk pen's okay, but uh, obviously our COVID safe classrooms. We're opening them at the moment. Put it on yes, the, keep, the keep side. Keep your chalk windows open. Yes. <laughs> and Alice, I was reflecting upon the point in um, Beck and Aaron, what you were discussing there about that there's no front or back of the room, that the teacher is modelling using those anchor wall charts from the back of the room. But something, a strategy that I use as well is just, you know, teacher talk sometimes. If we're about to go into connecting to your idea, Alice, about a writing activity, okay, I'm struggling with a word, uh, what I need to do within my writing. I'm going to get out of my seat and I'm going to go to the word wall and grab it. Like just monitoring that talk to the students so that they're aware, if they're having the same process, that's what I can go and do and I found that to be an assist. And if you've got kids that you find that's a cognitive overload for, I made mini versions of it. So um, the student I had an issue with, um, oh, I can't remember the the thing now, adaptive reasoning I think that's what it was um no fluid reasoning sorry fluid reasoning which meant that she wasn't uh connecting her experiences to recalled experiences so she wasn't remembering that she actually wrote the word and put it on the word wall and connecting it to something that she had learned before so what I changed it to was we would put it up on the word wall and then she would write it in this little miniature booklet that we had stapled together that she kept at her desk so instead of that cognitive overload of I need to remember to get up and go to the word yeah. wall and find the word that I had written before, it was just right there on the desk. She could physically see it. And I was training her every time as soon as she sat down to do something, your book is here, you've written these words before. And that really helped reduce that. So I, I took the wall that was teaching other kids that could access it and transferred it to her desk. So it's just about finding that core uh, skill set for her. And there will be many students you might be thinking in your class, oh, little Benji, when he gets out of his seat, he's never going to come back. He's going to use it. There's going to be a meltdown because he's going to go he's tell going to talk little to Henry on the shot. Yeah. Kelly, Timmy, Johnny, <laughs> That's and Paulie right. on the way. And everything we talk about is our 85% students within the class. And like Beck was talking about, we differentiate for those students who we understand that it mightn't work for them in the process as well. Yeah. Those kids, though, that like to get up and create a fuss, I found they did that less because they were moving around more frequently with permission. Like they could get up and move around and do those things. I don't care if a kid's writing on the floor. I don't feel as as uncomfortable or, you know, like like I have to get up and show off and wander around and make a fuss with everyone. It's like, oh, this is what we do here. So it's yeah, not as much a novelty. Mm, well, yeah, yeah, and going and working at the word wall. I don't have to be in my seat to do this wall. I can go and sit somewhere yeah. else and do that. Just yeah. Um, yeah, helps with some of those kids that just need Freeze to freeze them up. Mm. Yeah, yeah, freedom. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think the fact that if they've contributed to the wall as well, there's that ownership. Yeah. Don't underestimate, like Alice said, the post-it note, the power of the post-it note. Kids oh. love post-it notes, especially if they're in different shapes and colours. If but- I bought shares, I'd buy it in post-it. <laughs> but Beckett, before you continue, you've got to buy quality ones before you continue yes, with the yes, post-it note because the level of stickiness on the back, it's just going to blow oh, the amount that I've You know what, James? <laughs> There's yes, always Alice. one student in your class that loves a good glue stick. Well. <laughs> I get them gluing those suckers on. Glue this is on. the one time. I'll probably say don't go to Kmart. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the only time you'll hear me say it. But do yes, don't buy your post-its from Kmart. Okay. No, I I glue 
glue them if we're doing like whole class Mm. brainstorming or we've got you know sharing of our wonderings or our ideas and we've got lots of them we'll we'll glue them onto a big big um bit of paper paper. yeah Mm. so that they don't fall off and have you guys got those the big butcher's paper post-it notes have you guys got those they're amazing yes they're the best Mm. yeah i do also like the uh, poster pad from kmart another shameless uh plug there I don't need the promotion. No, they, <laughs> well, they know teachers love Kmart. So let's all- um <laughs> let's move on to the three C's of walls that teach. Tell us more, Aaron. From uh, Lynn Sharrett, the book car clarity. And we're talking about co-created, co-developed, co-designed. Oh, the voice you use then. The three, the three co's. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so let's let's expand. Co-created, yep. co-developed, co-designed. Who well, wants to jump in? I'll start us off, Aaron. Co-created, like we'll, um, Alice is is very big about that. You'll hear in our in our episodes <laughs> is that student voice and the student um, autonomy. So that co-create in at the beginning is talking about you are working with your students in the creation of what you are putting up in your classroom. That's co-create. Anyone else want to add to that? That's my mm. thought. Well, I think we'll give an example if we want to go through that. Did yep. you want to give an example, Aaron? I don't know. Maybe we're going to say the same one. I'm really excited. You go first. That's, well, I'm, I'm thinking of my little infants, people. Let's say we want um, a zero to 20 number line. Like instead of just laminating one and slapping it up there, let's do a class activity where we sequence our numbers from zero mm. to 20 on maybe a pre-printed sort of line. But we've got our numbers you know, mix them up or whatever or do whatever the activity is and then we glue it down and then we put it up together and, like, the kids know it came from that lesson, it went up. And if you've got the kids sticking some blue tack on as well, it gets them more involved. They love that stuff. Mm. And that's the relevance of that. And they've created it together. We've put it up together. It makes it more memorable. It definitely has meaning and it's intentional. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say similar similar thing back about co-creating how are the how are the students involved so if you're doing for instance some modeled writing okay i need the word was who's going to come up and write the word was and you've got a mix of teacher handwriting a mix of kids handwriting but the kids are actually not just sitting there they're mm. actively engaged because i'm looking for the next person come up here put this up it's on the wall it's theirs it's not just you know, mm-hmm. I wrote it and you listened. Yeah. It's yeah. ours because we did actually co-create it. I gave the texture to Beck and Beck, you're going to write this word. <laughs> Who's going to come up? James, you're going to come and put the full stop in the right spot. Simple little things like that. Yeah. Um, that are involving kids in that process. I find kids often, they really enjoy it when you involve them in the editing process. Mm. And like you, when we do, like a modelled text or a jointly created text and we go through and I think, oh, I really don't like this plain old boring word, whatever the word is, it might be, you know, bad or whatever. Who's got a much better word than, you know, this one or who can, you know, elaborate on what I've said or add further details and they think, oh, look, I get a chance to make, you know, Mrs. Vigors is writing heaps better. Like they get a kick out of. I love that. Oh, they do. They love it. They (laughs) Yeah, I thought of a better word than you, and I think, yeah, you did. Like, you know? mm. they were awesome. Yeah. yeah, and like you said, they're they're involved in the construction of that thing that's going up on the wall yeah. as a. This is an example that you can use when you're working, 
And it's so much more engaging than if I just wrote out a sample text, popped it up on the wall, or printed yeah. something off and put it up on the wall because it's it's theirs. It belongs to yeah. them. And I've yeah. had like, you know, way back in the golden ages when we could have parent-teacher interviews on site, you <laughs> know, those, those old days. <laughs> when, you know, oftentimes we would have kids in the in sitting in on the meetings. But, you know, the kid would come in or, you know, parent-teacher day where they come in and they like in education week where they can yes, come yep. view the room. Open classrooms, yeah. Yes, open classroom. That's what's what I was thinking of. Oh, um, <laughs> the phrase is just gone now. It's been a number of years, Alice. Oh, what I even know. is that? <laughs> oh, the memories. Um, where the kid would come in and go, oh, mum, look, we created this together and look at the word I chose. Mrs. Biggers only had yes, this and I right. thought of this word yeah. And, yeah. and the parent knows exactly what's going on. But mm. they, yeah. they're so excited and so engaged in the fact mm. that they could yeah. help help to better somebody else's writing and, and co-create something together. Uh, yeah, and particularly yeah. show that they're better than you, the teacher. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All about <laughs> building them up, Aaron. Yeah, so... <laughs> Great, great examples there, guys. Anybody else got anything to add? Co-developed? The, the co-developed, Lynn sort of describes as the um, the big picture, the big, sorry, I'm just going to my chapter because we're such nerds we have them right. Can you refer big, to it is which, the big picture. Which chapter yeah. are we in? Um, I'm, I'm at- literally on page 10 if anyone it's- wants to look at this. <laughs> um. So that's that's likely something, Alice. I think that there would be more down of what you've done uh, around inquiry thinking is getting that bigger picture element of what you're working towards when you're mapping out what's going to be coming in that inquiry process as you're yeah. getting that bigger image. So it's but it likely even comes, it comes down to things such as your success criteria. Mm. You you are co-creating or co-developing the you know, what it is that success will look like at different points in that learning journey. How will I know when I have achieved X, Y, and Z, what will that look like? Let's create that together. It's not guess what's in, you know, Mrs. West's head. Mm-hmm. It's clearly laid out. We've worked together mm-hmm. to, sh- to show what that will look like as opposed to me just handing it to them and they're like, oh, yeah, that looks cool. Righto. How, <laughs> how on earth am I going to get there? Like, it's, it's about involving them in that in that process so that they are, as Lynn's book says, it's around developing that clarity around what learning looks like, how will we get there, and who better to involve in their own learning process than the students. Mm. Yep. See, especially when so many kids come to school with like, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know why. Yeah. We're doing, I don't know. Yeah. I, I get counters out at maths and I do stuff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that that last element, that co-designed part there, a good example would be around that writing process. So let's say you're working with the kids to create or like a, a bump it up wall essentially around what a good one looks like, you know, like here's, a, here's that writing sample on, I don't know, narrative or whatever it is. And here's what one looks like. Here's what a, a good one looks like. And here's what an exceptional one looks like, but doing that with the kids, not just, you know, randomly printing one off Google or whatever and saying, well, here is what I'm telling you a good one looks like. It's the kids being part of that process, whether it's through joint construction or modeled or whatever, they create that. They've got that say in that they've got that memory of how you guys put it together and the conversation and the dialogue that happened when they did it. So when it comes to those writing processes, that's been experiential 
um, and you've got those experiences to draw on when you're referring back to that wall or when the kid is going and using that wall as an example. Yeah. 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 Boom. Good chat, guys. Good chat. Let's um, bring it home. Let's talk some practical examples. So if someone's sitting there going, this all sounds good, where do I start? <laughs> Give us an example. Give us some examples of what this looks like in practice, in your classroom, in your classrooms, if we're in and out of different classrooms. All righty, I'll, I'll start, Aaron. We all, I'll always use this example in different contexts What we're talking about. I, talk, I spoke about complex sentences. Let's say I've got a stage one class, I'm introducing compound sentences. We're at the very beginning of the week and we're talking about what makes up a compound sentence and we're talking about the different conjunctions that we use to help us link our two uh, simple sentences together. I introduced the fanboys um, acronym. So I write for and nor all but yet so, and I write down what they are. We have a discussion with those students about what they are. This is just at the beginning of the week. I then put that up underneath my smart screen where they can clearly see throughout the week as we go. I then refer back to that chart and I add to it. Okay, students, we're now going to write a compound sentence together. What's a compound sentence? That's right, Jimmy. It's a, we've got a simple sentence with a coordinating conjunction and a simple sentence. Thank you, Jimmy. And you chose the fanboy of nor. Okay, we used nor. Okay, oh, students. No. I thought you said nah. No, like nah, Logan, nah. nah. <laughs> Beck, you ruined, you ruined my oh, flow. Nah, but, <laughs> nah, yeah. Yet you ruined my flow. I'm just going to go with it. And then we continue to add through it without the week. Students, we were co-creating sentences together. We had throughout it the conjunctions that we used. It was visible to the students. That was meaningful to my focus for that week of introducing compound sentences. One simple idea, I made sure that it was visible to the students. I explicitly taught it. We then add and built to it throughout the week. One small example. Fanboys. I fan love boys. it. I haven't heard not, that one before. Have you not heard of fanboys? No. Oh. Where have you been, Beck? I a boulder that you drew somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. I'll add it to my poster tomorrow. I'll draw a little Beck under there. I'm so sorry for interrupting you, Flo, James. I'm here processing nah. <laughs> that's right. I, I do my pronunciation with some words, Beck, and I'm working towards, but that's okay. <laughs> As long as you can see your areas of improvement, James. That's right. Reflecting. It's that PDP time as well, so I'll add it. If you love a good acronym, one I use um, off James is A Forest when you go to um, persuasive devices. Mm Mm-hmm. Everyone has everyone heard of A Forest? No. So this could be this could be persuasive. Could be could use the image of A Forest alliteration facts. Rhetorical questions. Ooh. Um, statistics, rule of three. I've missed one. The Can't e- think what it is. Elaboration. Emotions. 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 Ah. Yeah. So, yeah, A Forest, guys. It's where it's at. Interesting. Ah. We could probably do a whole episode just on acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, we probably could. <laughs> Um, I, I think a, a good thing that teachers can take could um, put into practice straight away is just that reflective process. And uh, I've got a great example from a planning day I had with um, some stage one teachers today. One of the teachers said, um, I've noticed that the kids aren't using the word wall that she created at all. So she said, I'm taking it down. And then we're going to start by putting up the stuff um, that they're creating together 
um, in, I can't remember if it was writing or spelling or something that she was using that would actually be a, a co-constructed thing with the class. Like she's recognized straight away, this is what week four. So yep. two and a bit weeks of having the kids. No, nah, they're not using it. I'm changing it. What valuable it observation data. Yeah, it's great. And it's just literally from that self-reflection of going, well, no, I'm not going to force them to use it. It's not working. I'm going to do what suits the kids. Mm. Yeah. Love yeah. that. So powerful. Mm. Yeah. And I think like what you're saying too, Beck, is it starts with that mindset of I'm going to sit back, I'm going to observe, and I'm going to see what is actually being used in my room and what's not. Mm. And if it's not, that's, that's fine. It's not, not a bad thing, not failure, mm. but then let's rethink it, um, you know, taking that moment to go, let's look, let's, let's, you know, look around my room with fresh eyes. What is purposeful? What isn't? What are the kids using? What are the kids not using? Mm. And, you know, and start again. Yeah. It's also a great opportunity in your, you know, when you're looking say at a particular unit of work and you might be referring to your learning wall around utilizing the process of a daily review to just look at, of what that learning journey looks like so far. Where did we start in our thinking? What were we wondering at the start of this unit? Here's what we've learned so far. What do we still need to know? Where are we going next? And building on from there so that the kids can see, yeah. oh, this, this, you know, learning artifact that we've got up on our wall has a place still in my learning journey. I can build upon that as, as a platform to, you know, put this new knowledge on top of so that I can continuously grow as a, as a learner and a thinker. And they can visibly see that on their wall as they go through, say, a unit of work, for example. Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's something that starts like, you know, blank, minimal. And as yeah. the weeks go on, lessons go on, it develops over time. Yeah. Yeah. And if it, if it helps you to try and keep the chaos under order, if you're worried that it is going to be a bit too crazy and messy and, and you want to try and keep some order in there for those kids that um, might struggle with the overstimulating environment that could be lots of post-it notes or colours or whatever, um, you know, recommendations say to just use um, plain blank sort of gap between sections to help the eye sort of find what it wants and to reduce that overstimulation or if you want to have certain coloured backgrounds for one section and then another, um, you know, those nice calming sort of colors, like some of those kids get quite overstimulated with lots of rainbow everywhere, but that's really just down to knowing your kids. Some yeah. kids will respond well. Some kids will just be like, no, nah, it's not working for me. So it really just does mm. come down to teacher reflection on what's working for your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Some great examples there. Anyone want to throw in any last minute ones? No. <laughs> yeah, good. We're, no. we're recording late tonight we're a bit no. tired hey, i'm just thinking nice. like you're talking about the self-assessment if you're thinking about a starting point and you know a lot of us were starting at the beginning of the year your classroom might still be blank or you might have a lot of stuff up and it's mm. okay like we were discussing the display quality artwork display have certain little things within your room but if you want a starting point reflect upon your room ask questions with the kids or if it's mm. not asking questions, your observations around what are they using within your classroom? Because you can leverage, again, part of our inquiry question, you can leverage that learning within your classroom to assist students. Because again, with 30 kids in our classrooms or depending on what stage you teach, 
you know, we, we struggle to get around to all students. And if that's going to success set up, sorry, little Henry for success, when you're overworking with a guided group, how good's that? Yeah. That's yeah. it. And, yeah. the, and that's why it's called of, your third teacher. That's it. <laughs> a good way to reflect too is that, um, you know, can you see that kids' hands have been on it? You know, if, if it's something doesn't look that, like it's going to fall off the wall because yeah. <laughs> it's been so, so touched and used. That's it. And, I mean, I, I like the idea of reducing the laminating, but if it's laminated so that kids can use it again and again and again, like my hundreds charts that had whiteboard markers all over it and counters all over it and they were used constantly to the point where they were, you know, peeling apart, that's one different thing. But is it laminated just so it can stay pretty and you can use it again next year? Is that something that the kids are actively using and engaging with? And did they have any part in it mm. becoming something on the wall? Yeah, in its creation. Yes. Yeah. 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 Excellent. 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 Great conversation. Great thoughts. Thank you. Where we're going to wrap it up the episode there. Let's talk about our takeaways. Um, let's go alphabetical. Alice, what's your <laughs> takeaway? Um. I like the the key notion that students are a big part of of developing what goes up on our learning walls and having a say around what it is that they are finding valuable and and supportive in their learning journey. I think that's a really important part and it's often I know I often say it's you know, we we miss that component sometimes in the busyness of classrooms, but it's important to to stop and reflect on how are my students using what is up on my walls. If they haven't touched it, looked at it, referred to it in the last five weeks, it's as you said, Aaron, it's it's invisible to the students. So taking the time to, to ask the students about all of the different things that you've got up in your room. Do you use it? Is it valuable? Or is it just becoming a busy busy work for your wall pretty much? That's my takeaway. Excellent. Beck. That's not alphabetical. Well, it is. <laughs> it's, it's I think next, he's Aaron. Going he's if going we were going Beck. alphabetical, you would. Yeah. The host is excluded. First. I don't want to go first. That's okay. Someone doesn't like being called Rebecca. So it feels so formal, like I'm in trouble. Okay, I will go. Um, I'm, I'm my takeaway is coming from James though, and I don't know what I'm going to do with this takeaway. But that notion you said before that the probably the more time, effort, and money you put into creating a display, the less likely you are going to want to be to pull it down, to scribble on yeah. it, to ruin it, to utilize it. I think maybe that just might give me maybe some insight if I'm working with beginning teachers that feel like they need to dive deep in and do all of this kind of stuff perhaps. So I'm not sure how I'm going to utilise that information, but I haven't thought of it that way before. So I'm taking that away and I will do something with it later. <laughs> Plant the seed, James. Yes. Uh, something to ponder. Need some watering yeah. in the future. Don't, make sure you keep watering it and don't, don't let it die. <laughs> I'm going to start questioning how much people are spending in their rooms. <laughs> no, I won't. From anyone of my team listening, no, I won't. <laughs> All right, Jimmy, it's over to Jimmy, you. Jimmy, Jimmy. Um, my takeaway for the night is a point that we kept going back to is 
And I know Alice loved this and I made this same mention before, but the student voice of when we're co-creating the displays within our in our room, that again, it's not just saying, hey, little Henry, what do you want in our room? Or oh, you want a fortnight skin? Yeah, we'll put it up there, all right, champion. <laughs> it's meaningful to the learning as well, but including the students throughout the mm. process. Yeah. yeah. Yep, I was going to tell you a very similar thing, James. I think my thought was going to be about being intentional in my thinking and my planning of how am I going to involve the students in this. And even Alice was saying it before, you know, if it's if it's looking untouched, you know, it should we should be creating those, um, I guess, walls that teach with that in mind. How are the students a part of this? Yeah. Um, so it does become their their wall and their reflection of learning. I think that's my takeaway, um, you know, because sometimes I know for myself, I just get on a roll and they sit there and they listen and I do the thing and I put it up, but hang on, stop, go back a step. Cause it's just easy. It's just easy yeah. for me to yeah. do that. Yeah. It's convenient. Um, yeah. But the kids, how am I involving the kids in the whole process? Yeah. That's my takeaway. And it's that's hard it. to, I think with teachers, when you've got, let's say it's a, you know, pretty good cohort that, seem engaged or they seem quiet or attentive is that we don't stop and reflect as often as if things feel like they're going wrong Mm. so that's a a habit thing yes yep 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 well thank you for joining us everybody that is the end of episode four walls that teach thank you for joining us we will see you again soon for another episode um stay tuned for next week's episode we have our very first guests joining us on the teacher takeaway podcast so tune in for next week's episode with trent and sam from the cyber safety project but that is it from us have a fantastic week and we will hopefully have you join us again soon